0: Americans are getting tired of being told how to think, what to think, but the answer is really easy. Let's solve our race relations problem in the U.S. Then the Russians can't take advantage of it. State Department was saying one thing and then the military was told another thing. And, and where I think is probably the greatest challenge in terms of no matter what the issue is. You're talking about a really interesting subject. All well, you gotta do is go out there and check it out.
1: Uh, it's extraordinary to have everyone here today. Uh, really excited to, to jump right into conversation. Um, things that come, that are top of mind for me. Uh, I really want to know about how we're tackling, uh, security within the United States. I mean, no, across this table, there's a tremendous trim- amount of, uh, national security, uh, intelligence, uh, and foreign policy experience. Uh, but the thing that comes you know, top of mind right now is like the amount of, uh, propaganda that's floating around um, on the internet. Uh, how does that affect the average person? I, I this is something that comes up in, in conversation I'm, within my household uh, a lot. I'm sure, I'm sure uh, you folks also face this same conversation. But um, you know, when it comes to specifically uh, propaganda and uh, and political warfare, I think this is something that's not new. So we're we're not talking about anything that's uncharted. But what's interesting, it feels like we're seeing this really start to heat up, I would say, around 2015, 2016, specifically with the, uh, with the uh, election meddling, and then having looked into that going forward, all, a lot of stuff sort of helps triangulate around some of these things. What, what are some of your uh, thoughts
0: around uh, the current situation? How serious is it? It's very serious. Um, now, I think you're, to your point, there's nothing new about propaganda uh, the Abrahamic fates can all go back and say, hey it was the first propagandist it was a snake in the Garden of Eden you know, and then we all get thrown out of paradise that's a pretty you know tough situation but look today there's you have to think about the foreign and the domestic and I uh, really the domestics the bigger problem Russian-based foreign propaganda has been trying to exacerbate the really the cracks in American society since the beginning of the Cold War. Especially along the racial angle, so the Russians used to uh, support Stokely Carmichael because I thought he was more radical and he could help create a race war, and they would beat up on Martin Luther King because Martin Luther King was preaching unity and having calm discussions. The same stuff is coming out of the Russians, whether it was um, you know taking a knee at football, uh, Ferguson, even before the, the 2016 election election campaign. Trying to get Americans to fight rather than, than have uh, honest discussions and, and you know where there may be even uh, you know, strong strong disagreements. I think the challenge today is, and then I want to just clarify some terms. You have you know propaganda is a big overarching term. The problem is misinformation and disinformation, and the dis- the distinguishing uh, characteristic is that disinformation is a deliberate and calculated untruth designed to do something um the problem is we have a lot of people out there who don't know any better who take a piece of disinformation whether it comes from you know um comes from the GRU or whether it comes from some group in the United States with an agenda and then they repost it well they're not they're not the ones deliberately doing this at least some of them aren't but what makes it different today with the internet is these things move so quickly in fact um I'm sorry to give a history lesson here, but this is what history professors do. When the Gutenberg printing press was invented, it took uh, you know, Martin Luther with his 95 theses, took him a couple weeks to get that stuff out in Germany and then maybe a few months for Europe and then later on all the world. Today, what, 30 seconds for it to get around uh, in a region, an hour and a half for it to go viral? The other thing is targeting. I mean, what, what companies enable us to do with all that or enable you to do with all the data that's out there? All the data we freely give them is they can micro target. They can micro target down to the individual level. Any one of us here and figure out what makes them tick. What makes them move? How do I need to target and tailor this ad? That's great for our market time. It's not great for people who are trying to sow dissent. And my concern is that you already have such a level of distrust, political polarization and an unbelievably enormous crisis in civic uh, media digital and historic literacy in this country especially the civic literacy that you can get the most radical and wild ideas to get out there quickly and look uh, you know in the United states today um the election fraud anti-vax i mean these things actually transcend political party too i mean the anti-vax movement started off as a, a northern california at least in the u.s and so sort of a liberal northern california thing you know uh the uh, wholesome, eat wholesome foods, no chemicals in my body, all back, um, and was propagated by actually a lot of folks in the entertainment industry. Nowadays, it's a little bit different, sort of an anti-government type thing. Yeah, i, I I'll worry sure about We it should that. compare those.
2: So the efficacy of this vaccine currently, this one, regarding COVID, has come into question in terms of at least, you know, depending on where you fall on the spectrum in terms of what you think, at least the amount of time that it remains effective. So that's like a kind of legitimate... That alone might be a legitimate reason for someone to feel like they don't need to take it without being enforced or being given some sort of uh, freedom-limiting framework uh, regarding travel, regarding you got to put public... your private health information on an app, you can't go here, you can't go there, you're also going to be bullied, you're also going to be made to feel like you're an attempted murderer every time you step into a room. Um, It turns out that so much of what we were told was not just questionable there, it was it was delivered with too much certainty and perpetual truth there is an overplaying of the information from people who have enough experience to know that hey this could change right and let's let's continue to keep people informed but i, I think just to there's there's also a question of completion of uh, complete information so for instance therapeutics saves people it will save a pretty a substantial segment of people that get it distinguish- enough and they're just like not discussed
0: at all. Yeah. Let's, let so I think should not discuss all some matters. Yeah. For, let me distinguish between something. I think that is a, a perfectly legitimate worthwhile debate to have. And I've actually had to go to bat for some of my what, faculty and staff who really don't believe in the efficacy of the, the car around the back seats. I have no problem with that. No problem with people trying things as long as it's not bleach. But you know, it's a... He, that's different than the people who say these vaccines are laced with microchips. Yes. Yeah. There was sure.
3: But but I asked yeah. something yeah. that Mark so yeah. fridge. Yeah. Guys, what I'm
2: telling you is me just yeah. pointing out that the efficacy regarding the amount of time that this vaccine is effective might get this on YouTube flagged or taken down,
0: right? one well, I don't know if that I don't know if that will, but but here's I mean well then we get into it. Well, but this is a really important question. What is one, I think the pervasiveness of misinformation and disinformation today puts a premium on two things or three things really effective government communications, which CDC gets an at. Certainly, you know, yeah, both administrations, CDC fails. Something's gotta, got change there. Too much contradictory stuff. And I agree with you, putting out stuff real quickly, I'll give them a little bit of a break because we haven't been through a pandemic and you know on like this in a hundred years. The second thing is transparency. I'm a believer in more transparency, you know, that, you know, show us the underlying materials. Have, you know, it's okay if Congress reviews something. It's okay if, if groups, you know, want to take a look at the documents. No problem with that. Um, and and the, the third piece, though, is, is education. I think a lot of Americans don't understand how a basic vaccine works. And they certainly don't understand how mRNA vaccines work. And, and where I think is probably the greatest challenge in terms of no matter what the issue is, I said, civic education, education. Yeah, well, first Who's speaking. who's doing the educating? That's, that's kind of the
3: problem. I know that you said critical thinking because critical thinking nowadays is often called conspiracy theorizing. Simply asking a question, is this, is a vaccine effective? If it's a vaccine, why am I taking multiple vaccines, multiple shots, multiple boosters? But the point is, is disinformation and misinformation, one, one side of it is favored one side of it is promoted and when you look at who's promoting it it becomes very political it becomes very uh, you, you could tell who's behind it when you look at the mainstream media and what people that are against a topic whether it be crt whether it be a vaccine if you're for it or against it the government and the media divide you depends which media I mean, we well, say media. Well, when media. you're talking, obviously you see about talking about no, right. Fox. News. It was, okay, media. but then you have CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's stacked, right? What, what I want, I long for the classical liberal who, who never held up a New York Times and said, that's been debunked. I, I long for the classic liberal of British Village, the classical liberal of Haight Ashbury that didn't believe the government. They, they questioned the government. We're, we're gone stray of actually thinking
0: for ourselves. Meaning mean, I think to, you, to your point, though, the classical liberals will only question Republicans. Not anymore. Not anymore. There's an alliance now with, with mainstream
3: uh, conservatives and classical liberals against the narrative because they're both saying we don't trust our government. You look at minority communities, they don't trust local government. They don't trust law enforcement. They don't trust the national government. Americans are becoming less and less trustful of government and that's why it is, it's almost a benefit of the misinformation and disinformation is Americans are getting tired of being told how to think, what to think, what's popular and what's not popular. If I'm a Russian information guy and I'm pushing information in the US, most Americans are now like, okay, I've heard this before, I'm done with this, let me put something else on. And that's why you see Americans go to sports channels to get away from the politics and then once they see politics on the sports channels, they say, where else can I go? I end up going to like Series on Netflix and Hulu where there is no politics. You know, if you go back to The Office, you couldn't do The Office today. You couldn't do Seinfeld today. You couldn't do uh, a lot of these things today because they are no longer
0: mainstream, and mainstream has become fringe. Well, it, it works both ways. I mean, you think about you know uh, again, um, you know, growing up, and you know, you and I probably hit the same '70s shows. Yeah, we were, watched Happy Days. Right. Yeah, one. No one would get Happy Days today. Archie Bunker. They probably need it up. Right, but again, Jefferson's right. Some things still work. Some things don't because they're too tame. Some things don't because they're too edgy. Yeah, and I love The Office. I love Seinfeld. Watch the reruns all the time. But yeah, every once in a while, I think. All right, let's go to James Bond. Sean Connery, James Bond. Dan, what's the joke? Wow, if he really worked in the Intel office today, he would have been fired because of all the you know the the uh, EEO violation, not sexual harassment. God, well, I did it... This is why I say critical thinking, where I kind of stand, and again, this isn't just me as an educator. It's always been my philosophy that I want more information out there, too. So I'm with you in terms of if you only watch CNN and NBC, let's see what, what our Syracuse alum uh, can do with CNN to kind of bring them back to the middle. But if that's all you watch, you're only going to get one point of view. If all you watch is Newsmax, all you need to get one point of view, you have. To, you to know, go do that. And you have to go foreign the papers, too. Go see what the BBC and Financial Times have to say about the issues here. I think that would serve... America. Again, like, who's doing the educating, right? So who's... I, I grew up in the
2: L.A. public school system. They're not teaching me... You know, just with respect, I have to we're really great teachers. Some. It's changed a lot now, too, where there is uniform thinking. Not critical thinking. Um, not just that. at that there is an attachment of consequences, social consequences, uh, for dissent for dissent. And I'm not, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to conflate dissent, reasonable dissent from just saying something crazy or being crazy. There's a, there's a big distance between those two things. But in terms of education, when you say education, just to take it out of passive voice and identify who that educator is, There is a legitimate and reasonable suspicion. I grew up in a public school system that spends more per capita per child and graduated from high school with people without exaggeration illiterate. Uh, Fourth grade math and English proficiency is at the bottom of, you know, it's just staggering. The, the, The cities and the public school systems that spend the most and seem to, I don't know, promote themselves the most have kids who are not just coming out uneducated, unprepared, completely on basics. And they will be the most, most vulnerable to disinformation. But they have the least critical thinking right. of anybody, and that at least you could equip them with some self starting initiative if they were just a free thinking person. So I'm, I'm for free thinking. What I'm suspicious of and my question is who's that educator who's going to know that? That's a great point. And I think
1: I so I think because of that, not only are uh, parts of the population that are not entirely educated and or even doesn't even know how to process information properly. I think I think folks who are in groups of the, part of the population that are well educated are also vulnerable. And that's because I think there are, there are extremely sophisticated PSYOPs operations that are taking place in the United States. That are that are very much uh, understanding what sort of cognitive overload to the to the American population does. It drives you crazy. It gets you to check out, and what it does is it also drives you to the point where you look for shorthand as a method to educate, to seek uh, the solace, and be a part of something. And so, what happens is then you naturally become more racist, more stereotypical, uh, seek, you know, just kind of stick with your own. And then you, you create divides, uh, that are baked in and it's part of a broader plan, not conspiracy. It is, it is the mechanics. But but
2: where does, where does your own responsibility ever come in? So the, the fact, the implied logic that there, the fact alone that there are psyops heavily resourced psyops that are descending on all of us from different directions, then. (laughs) We can't be forced to conclude that we just resign ourselves of free will and personal responsibility to, if we're going to accept things like freedom of information, right? Information is democratized. And so it's hard for people to tell the difference between some of the posts that you're talking about that they're retweeting and it moves so fast and they're just reading it and they're not reading it full. They're not, you know, you have to do two hours of research for every tweet that you read
0: in order to kind of feel like you corroborate something. Although, well, let, me, let me, you would ask, I think, an important question about who's responsible for the education. There are two ways of looking at it. You know, I'm a believer uh, in that you educate in the home. Great professors at the Maxwell School. Yes, well, we, we try. Um, yeah, but you educate at home, you educate the schools, and then there's sort of the the social education amongst peers. You and I probably have different views on who should control curriculum. Should it be, although I'm, we may have the same view, uh, should it be local school, school board control? Should you have state-controlled curriculum? you have national controlled civics curriculum you know the civics education bill that's out there right now explicitly says there will this is not a call for a national curriculum that was sort of the price of getting it passed and i'm not in disagreeing with that i'm not always sure a national curriculum works quite right. quite right but there have to be you know, there have to be some there has to be some uh uniform approaches to teaching critical thinking or uniform goals because yeah, you know, I, I worry, I think it's a 50-state problem. Um, you know, if we had, you know, what a thousand different local school districts doing, and we might, have you know, a thousand different ways, but, but this is, to, to me, the real challenge. I'm not as worried about the fact that there is misinformation, disinformation, facts and opinion out there. I'm worried that we don't necessarily teach what is a fact or, under, you know, understanding that, you know, that uh, the fact that uh, Pearl Harbor took place on December 7th, 1941 is a fact, whether or not Roosevelt made the right decision and making Germany first versus Japan first, that can be an in a pain. And that's the basic level that I'm worried about. I think anybody participating in what a curriculum should be who
2: is who's from Chicago, L.A., New York City, certain parts of New York City, San Francisco, Miami, heavily populated urban centers, I have to just go and look at The basic English and math proficiency, but those are not exactly the people that I have the highest confidence in. Tinkering further with the, you know, being being the trailblazers or leaders of our education. So for me, it's 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 who I I, you know we I don't make it surge. I I might be for that. It's a private institution. Now they're there. You might get high quality. I think, with all due respect, though, I think I think that is part of the
1: solution. Which, but if if the institutions, I think, are doing a a great job, they're going to continue to do a great job. But I think it's going to move too slowly. It doesn't move at the pace of the internet, and so information and uh, can can move we weight, You can just outpace these the institutions and how and how they <clears throat> decide to actually proliferate the information content. I think what we can focus on and maybe maybe agree on is I remember like even going through university. Uh, and the thing, the thing that really resonated or, or was instilled within me wasn't necessarily the subject matter. In some cases, it was. It depends on what you're learning, but I think oftentimes is how to learn, right? How to disseminate information, how to know what is factual and what is not, and to look for sources and so on and i think the i think the hygiene of learning is 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 incredibly important where i think part of that has been has been completely stripped out and so now there's no hygiene and you can go and take any source and someone will find something on the internet it could be the the biggest load of you know crap um and then we'll 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 pin it to a wall and say this is truth um and and share with friends or in family over thanksgiving dinner and that's i think part of the problem not knowing what truth even looks like
2: anymore is extremely dangerous i saw more rigorous education in afghanistan my time there in some of the schools and uh in previous generations i mean you know you go to other countries and you compare their public education systems and the rigor to the united states and it's it's a different it's a completely different world and i may sound crazy to people that there are some schools in afghanistan that are better than the states but it's all you got to do is go out there and check it out i think it you're talking about a really interesting subject
4: and, and uh, although look at it from outside, you know, misinformation side of this information, uh, oh, well. the U S will never be conquered by the enemy from out abroad unless China lands 10 million people in the end you know, of that, that, that is, um, but do you, you, you see a lot of cracks, the, the election fraud, the anti-vax, the, the, the schools, uh, curriculum and so on. Um, looking at afghanistan we we saw insurgency grove with disinformation misinformation and um, and if, if we don't discuss this subject which is great to be talking about it, you, you could potentially see you know you had the riots in january 6th and uh, so we, this is very interesting and, and and i like the ideas there should be more conversation about it there should be more and more because we suffered with this information I, I i remember, remember the countries have been collapsed
2: tell, tell me about this one so i, I remember when i was in afghanistan so the Taliban are really good at information, and you know you get these issued shades when you're in the U.S. military, right? And you have the clear ones, you have the you have the ones that are like you know shades like sunglasses. And remember, it was proposed by the Taliban that these are basically like x signs so uh, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah the sunglasses that you can see through people's clothes. And the Taliban raised an issue as it related to women, and created outrage. And it it, it, it turned out that the troops were yeah. sort of directed to where the clear ones instead yeah. so we're talking about and, I'm,
3: and then I'm no was anything Iraq.
2: one more one more so troop troop rotations right so like the Talban would know or that they were going through certain areas that in a, in habitual ways burning pages of the Quran leaving them on those trails
0: and let letting local Afghans just find that yeah that's incredibly effective right I mean this is yeah we we talk about one reason I'm not worried about the U.S. government using disinformation, misinformation is as an institution we're so bad we're bad bad. I mean, as a former SOAP, we're bad at the offensive. Right. Even the, the strategy of the truth, we're not always that good at because of the speed of this. But um, you know, there are there are parts of the U.S. government that are that are a little more effective at foreign disinformation. You know, uh, you know, a lot of it from the Cold War. If we think about what the CIA did. But at the same time we're pretty bad at it because this it would be the four of us sitting around the table trying to come up with the the camp the information campaign plan but we'd have these deep philosophical disagreements and therefore we can never get a message out and it would be three years before we could coordinate whether or not we should use happy or glad
2: no i mean, i think we could put something together six months
0: man
3: well what i think's missing uh something that we saw in the intelligence community was good leaders would ask after getting the group analysis, the consensus analysis, a good leader would say, who disagrees? And that person would say, sir, I disagree because I think this is going to happen. And the leader would challenge that dissenter, will show me the path to where your course of action pans out. And so when somebody disagrees, they were given the opportunity to show the path where what I need to look at, these decision points, that I need to look at to see whether or not we're on track over here with the consensus, or you're right. And that's missing. There's no red teaming. We call it red teaming, we call it, the Israelis call it the man, where they put, they put a, uh, a plan together, and one person's job is to disagree with it and try to tear it apart. Uh, in our education system, I think it would be more important for, for educators to say, well, who disagrees with us? And we're losing that. We're losing the art of debate, we're losing the art of, of critical thinking, When when I talked about classical liberals and assertives coming together, it's about free speech. It's about opinions. It's about debate. It's about winning the argument. We're getting away from that now to where our students aren't taught what they should know. They're taught how to think. And the easiest thing to do as an American is to go with what's popular. If you look at what's popular, it's not good for America because it's easy. it's the easy path. If you question something, you know, a suicide in a prison that, that, that looks suspicious, if you question the efficacy of a vaccine, if you question the refs making really bad calls during the last football game between the Chiefs and the, and the Bengals, there's so much corporate group they be pushed on Americans that they're tuning out, and that's why China's able to use TikTok and able to use these other entities, because the American consumer of information wants it quick and fast and wants it agreeable. So we go to our camps. And, and when you look at America, like you said, you, you, you we, we, we see a proxy war, but it's not. we're not arming people with weapons. We're arming people with ID just meaning If you're an enemy, you looking at the US. You're arming Americans with opinions that make another American an enemy based on race. Based on, there's a danger that
0: you could go into armed conflict within the. It's well, the, it's the, the, the Russian. Oh, the Russians said, look. We see such a deep-seated racial divide. We think we can create a race war. Eisenhower recognizes this, and he has actually you know, the great responses. Is, is people are saying, well, how can we develop an camp- uh, you know, information campaign plan uh, to, to fight back the Russians on this? And, and, one, and they did, but at the same time, he said, well, the, the answer is really easy. Let's solve our race relations problem in the U.S., then the Russians can't take advantage of it. Certainly.
2: Hey, Mark, Mark, remember a few, uh, a few years ago, Sarah Burr, Saturday- when he's chairman of Senate uh, Intelligence, at uh, a hearing, recounted a story about a, a Texas incident where you had fake um, American Muslim accounts and fake kind of conservative accounts right. promoting two different types of events and getting people. and election. then bringing them out uh, to the same physical location, right. trying to create some sort of incident and then capture that get that content out there and then every american's perception as to what's going on in the country is just what's in their device
0: you know you're not, you're not out there it's a snapshot that was in every shot. spot and then to you you know one thing that comes up is you know we were talking about the responsibility um of educators your responsibility of whether it's state local or national government and the education firm what about the responsibility of the private sector firms this has become i think this is a there's a, a partisan political dynamic to it because of the the uh, the case the GOP is making that uh, certain social media companies um, you know canceled more conservatives and all that. But then there's also I think the agreement across party lines that the tech uh, the you know the big social media giants are getting too big, and I think it's really looking at things like I mean obviously uh, Meta slash Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, although with Musk, who knows how big. A, yeah, that's going to be in a few years, but you know, this this is all of a sudden. Then it becomes a dollar of the, the bottom line issue, money regulation, all that, which is a lot of my field. But as a consumer, you know, then I start to worry about things like what's social media doing to my kid? What about protecting them online against predators? Right. Uh, what about? I don't care if yeah, I make a choice that my the yeah, you know, put all my data out there. That's fine. Um, but I don't necessarily want my kid to have to go through that. Can you make it easy for me to do this? And how can I find out what, how can I find out what you're collecting without having to read that, you know, 0.4 font uh, stuff that's on my screen that I scroll through and say, God help me. I hope, yeah. I hope this app isn't uh, taking my bank account.
3: Right. I mean, and then you asked the question who had more influence in, in the 2020 election, 2016 launch? Was it the Russians or was it Google? Was it the Russians or was it Twitter? because you look at all the things that, that are being canceled, that Americans, for the first time in our, in our country's recent history, now you're the historian, so you've been correct. I'll defer to you. We are being limited. We're not being able to get this information because um, people will call it disinformation or misinformation. You know, I asked uh, a colleague of deeming do you mean banning books of Florida? No, 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 I don't mean, I mean but see, those are, those are cute little things to say, right? Because they're in the media here. You, you mentioned the bleach. So, everybody knows what you're talking about. Well, I watched that at the Browns. I know, but when you, when you talk about the core issues, we can't limit the argument to what crazy people say on the left or crazy people say on the right. It's what everybody else thinks. But we become such a soundbite consumer of media to where those things are catching. It. I have a, I'm going to start a Twitter account called My Democrat Girlfriend because my girlfriend's a Democrat and I'm a Republican. We live in the same household. And I say, hey, did you hear about that? She goes, no, I didn't. And she won't hear about it until a week later because she watches CNN, MSNBC. I watch BBC. I watch Al Jazeera. I I have four screens on my TV. I've got Morty Joe. Anytime Morty is upset, I know the country's doing well. Uh, Fox, I can't can't watch it a lot because it's always about cooking and buying stuff. But, But I watch these arguments and I go to international news to see what the hell's going on in the rest of the world. And it's actually talking about uh, things that we should be paying attention to now, but as consumers of information, we don't care until there's a fire. National news,
0: but nothing but still is alive and coming back to run president. Oh, that's right. Is that and that's what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is saying about it. But anyway, different side of the family, right? But um, but again, the point is, U.S. news media has just gone so far downhill that some networks, I'm not going to call them particular, could barely cover any for four years. Right. If it wasn't the White House itself. Right. And to me, that's problematic. It's not doing a service. And I, you know, I have a, we may have a little different take on cancel culture and censorship and all that. What I will say, though, is people like me are afraid at times of going against what is the mainstream, mainstream, I shouldn't say mainstream. Because mainstream to me is a nice, but, but the popular belief of the day. Right. Sometimes the popular belief of the day, remember the Kony video? You know, hey, let's make sure we get support and make sure these girls um, you know, are free in Africa. Um, fine, Twitter outrage cycle. But other times, you know, you know, I saw something the other day that was put out by a, um, a senior member of Congress on how they were reviewing this. Uh, budget, uh, the the uh, debt ceiling issue. And I thought it was a little too combative and I was going to say something and I realized, wait, am I going to say something about this? You know, I've had people call me a Trumper and I've had people call me, you know, an uber woke liberal. So I know I'm probably right to are weird, but you're in a good place, right? I mean, but, but there are times I worry.
2: Hey, so Mark, after the withdrawal from Afghanistan, you had tons of Afghans reaching out to you for help. Yeah. And uh, you have friends who are in charge. Uh who you might feel aligned with in a lot of ways, including ideologically through relationships, through past, uh, positions you've held and future positions, uh, potentially old. And, uh, you were extremely, extremely vocal. You're very vocal and straightforward at a time where there was a lot of different information that was going out there. And, you know, getting characterized. So, you know, you're talking about banning books, right? That's a way of characterizing something that happened. Um, We could flesh out what exactly happened. But in that situation too, there's characterizations. I mean, that withdrawal was being promoted by some as like an example of American excellence. It was called,
0: Uh, remember when this was the greatest withdrawal in human history? We got more people out of, we got 100,000 people out of the airport. We're not evacuating the embassy. Uh, this was a phase downsizing. Right. It was the largest evacuation of the
2: wrong people. But you, you, in that case, you had all the pressures. You had a ton of pressures. You had a ton of pressures. So, you know, maybe you could talk about how the distinction between, in this case, you were going to say something about people being too combative, mm-hmm. about a particular topic that might have been somewhat innocuous, but in, in, in the case that I just described after the withdrawal from Afghanistan, you're, you're helping the Afghans get out of the country, and you were, um, I, 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 I don't know, i don't even know how to describe it. You were being very forceful on your views.
0: I mean, I, th- I think there's, if you're educated well, and if, frankly, if you're taught well by your parents, I think you know when to do the right thing. And there was a cost to doing that. I didn't really think about it at the time too much. I mean, I knew there would be. You know, it's hard to say, well, I'm gonna go take a public shot at the White House. I'm gonna go take a public shot at the State Department's spokesperson. I'm going to go take a public shot at the DOD spokesperson, who I know is a straight shooter, but in this case, uh, yeah, was it when uh, Admiral Kirby or Mr. Kirby said, this is not a non-combatant evacuation operation. Oh, my God, it is by definition. What you said is, you know, that came on the heels of the White House spokesperson at the time, Jen Psaki, saying, um you need to trust us when we're saying things from the dais after we had had four years of having ample reason not to trust anything. And that's where I was kind of like, well, people said to me, they aren't objective. There is this adversarial relationship. They don't believe everything coming out of there, but no, it was tough. It was tough to use strong language against people. Um, I'm not sure I use ever said lied, but I found a few euphemisms for it. Um, Uh I certainly was very clear that I thought it was a decision. The way that we went through this evacuation, the the way that we refused to let Afghans in quickly and change our processes to get them into the United States and get the pathways into the United States, I felt and, do st- and still feel was on par with the failure in 1939 for the U.S. to admit Jewish refugees um, who were fleeing the Holocaust. So. You're both
2: in uniform in Afghanistan, and then you were deputy NATO ambassador uh, coming from the OSD, Office of Secretary of Defense, right? That was just a straight—actually, it was come, but that's— Okay, you nuts, But, uh, but okay. yeah, deputy minister of interior of Afghanistan for security, so in charge of all the police in the country, uh, self-officer from platoon all the way to regiment, and deputy NDS director, which is the equivalent of— Domestic and external intelligence agency, right and then company commander in Afghanistan Among other things. I mean, this is an oversimplification, but you know, we're all and an Afghan American and uh, happened to be afghan-american but an American period and uh, was and did you you in Afghanistan. Afghanistan and we met in Afghanistan, so so did we uh, that it, This is an example just to cut through this bring all this together, you know information We were able to to see through something at that time right we're just talking about how hard it is there's so
0: much going on it wasn't always it wasn't always accurate but there was a there was a sharing of information and a belief in common purpose that transcended all political partisan lines i mean i I don't want to say the name of the person because but i i was working with a a someone who had been a senior trump administration official our political views even long before that had been We'd been you know pretty much opposed on a, on a bunch of things, but we found common cause that was a belief that and it was a belief that um, our Afghan allies were being betrayed, a belief that people were dying as a result of decisions being made. yeah, you know, and again, it bolstered by the fact that we knew that the failure was multi president you know, uh, yeah well you know everyone from Bush on through. Biden can take some blame, but you know we were all saying, "Look, Trump administration surrendered here. Biden administration doubled down. We're going to work together as Americans." And as you said, what's our common tie? We all love the people of Afghanistan. We loved our time there, you know, in different ways. And some wasn't wasn't as fun as other times, but but more that we had an affinity and we knew the, what was the moral and ethical and right thing to do. So I'm just making the simple point about personal
2: responsibility regarding information and being able to cut through it and somehow we were all able to in that instance and i admit,
3: when you say we it's important
2: that we caveat who we
3: work it was veterans it was people outside of government the numbers showed it was like almost the entire nerd it, it was it wasn't on was of the government that was doing it they were trying to shut down these
0: endeavors and those were singular you know, civilian state aid from um, NGOs and veterans but i i but that's that's a key one what was the percentage of, uh, of
1: Americans that were opposed to the withdrawal and the way the way it went 80 percent 80 percent.
2: And it was how the questions asked, you know, as a, as a general question as to should the United States be out of Afghanistan without defining a particular time. I think that's a very different question from the way in which the United States. Yeah, you know, some some that gets a little bit more down to actually what the issue was. Right, right. Uh, it wasn't controversial, I think, generally, the idea that we would, there would be a time that the United States would leave Afghanistan. That just wasn't the issue, and that seemed to be the straw man.
3: So I mean, what, what are the things, I mean, I'd ask the general, do you, do you trust Americans now? Would, would it be easy to trust an American, if you're an indigenous force in another country we haven't been to yet, when an American special operator lands on the ground and engages with someone like you, it says, trust us, man, we're never going to betray you, we're never going to leave you behind. And you have these recent examples of not only the U.S. government betraying our Afghan allies, but leaving legal permanent residents and Americans behind. And when I heard General Austin say this, we're going to get every American out that wants to get out. When I heard that cataloged
0: language, it floored me. That didn't come from Scotty Miller, though. That, that was the... I'm going to give I mean, him that, that was the... Agreed upon point, right? But yes, as he right. wants to get out was the caveat. Well, this eighty-five-year-old woman with the American passport didn't want to get out, really. No, it was couldn't, couldn't get out. It was the American yeah. who was
3: married to somebody who wasn't an American that would not leave his wife rights behind. That would not leave them, and it became caveated language for we get everybody out who wants to get out. And when I hear General Milley and Secretary Austin say that this was the largest evacuation in American history. The luggage, you know, evacuation. I, I always caveat it with this: of the wrong people, of military Jamal's. We don't know who they are, but you know, you know who knows who they are. Those those experts in the State Department and DoD that are at these lollipads throughout the, throughout the Middle East, and here in the U.S. have said those four guys over there are top. And then you have a, a bureaucrat from the Department of Homeland Security say "That's not what their ID card says." Now their ID card is not an ID card; it's a piece of paper. Where they say what their name is, they they give a birthday, and they say where the, what province they're from, and that's it. But those experts know those guys are bad guys because the Afghans are taking... how many people were, were taken out of Afghanistan. One hundred and forty thousand were taken out of Afghanistan, but only it was a tiny percentage were SIVs. But less than ten percent, Were actual less less than ten percent were Americans and SIVs. Yeah. It was basically whoever could get all those air phones. Now we have to remember, we said that was the acronym staff for SIV, a special immigrant visa with the visa offered,
2: or so the special operator, those that work in the American, even the work for the Americans. So that there's, there's a, there's so much we could talk. There's a program that was initiated, but it, it, it was pretty bipartisan that, you know, our allies in Iraq and Afghanistan that served alongside us with meet a certain criteria, qualifications. And then like, you know, we will bring them to the United States. This could be their new home and, and, and they'll be American. And um, frankly, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't as effective as everybody would have wanted to be all these years prior to the withdrawal too. I think I think that there was some consensus on that I think that we had, that there are great people all around working on it but the system i I don't think pleased everybody but certainly afterwards so i mean as how many how many we can't even quantify how many calls and texts and emails and facebook messages we each got from afghans even americans i I, I had American citizens um Reach out to me, trying to
0: wanting to get out. That couldn't get out. At some point, I need to get a sharp grad student or undergrad to go through and my WhatsApp signal and my computer and go pull all that stuff and organize it. But there are, I mean, it was constant from what early August. We had my wife and I basically abandoned our son to his grandparents, and she and my my mother-in-law still doesn't forgive me for this. For a month, while we were up at their house, and we're like, I "Guess someone should feed the kid or play the, you know," because this was twenty four seven. I mean, two in the morning, I get, you know, and I, I slept with the phone. Fo- it was like being on a deployment. I told someone at one point I was having flashbacks. I was like, "This was just like being in the middle of an op, you know, at, sitting in some uh, closed container where you know you're isolated from everyone until the operation is over," and. and and the, frankly the ptsd that came back it was like i told Well that was that was i, I said 12 years of therogen your
4: four yeah, for I should, yeah i want you to answer the question so I, i'm i mean I, i'm different because i've studied here as well i've worked i've worked very closely with American for many years so my opinion will be different but for future allies and those who who may may not have had the 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 opportunity to to, to study here to know american history a little bit uh, It'll be very hard to convince them to be to be the trusted ally of in the future, uh, but we all have a. Everybody wants to know why did this happen? How did it? How do we not see this? Uh, you know, this this chaos. Uh, I know there's a committee that is going to subpoena and uh, investigate,
3: but the, and I think both both of you should be on that, uh, and I'll make, I'll make those recommendations because uh, it's it's important. The decision was made. I mean, what what are the the issues that that I have? with With this whole thing is it was rushed because it wanted to coincide with the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven to be able to shut it down to do another Paul Bergdahl White House ceremony we not bad dabble it to be able to say we're at on the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven we have pulled out of Afghanistan, and what did we get you know you know we we got forever war we didn't at the end of the day the Taliban the haqqani network al Qaeda affiliates and pem the Islamic State, of course, is, in, is in, basically, basically a part of Afghanistan. As an Iraqi veteran and an Afghan Afghanistan veteran, we lost Iraq to Iran. We've lost Afghanistan to the Taliban, to the Akhani network, uh, to Al-Qaeda. And American moms and dads are tired of trusting in military generals that say this is the right thing to do. I do believe that every promise made by an American on the battlefield, every promise made to you by that American, was sincere yeah it's the next american that doesn't carry follow-through i've got you know it's the next american administration that doesn't follow through well, at least a distrust let me ask you this yeah didn't the military do
2: everything they were asked to do the the battalion the, the company level was that regional issues on
4: I mean, it was it a yeah. clear issue? There, there was a crisis actually there was a problem the state department and the military department which was out there right the two-star the navy two-star who was who was actually going to charge the uh, State Department was saying one thing, and then the military was told another thing. But to be honest, but who got out? I have friends who are in, I used to have Fred a friend who is a cop in the US. He said that we have a bunch of guys, the young juveniles, 12, 13 year olds, who have no parents, and they asked him, What did you he do here? Well, I was a banana along on the street. How did up appear. Well, everybody was running to the plane, and, and I, well, I caught, and I don't So, but yet you have allies in. People in my family, they could be, be bothered to go through this. Thousands of people, Taliban shooting in the air right. to go through. So you have passport orders, green card holders, SIVs could not go through. There was a right
0: way to do this. Uh, yeah, i right. the cops around that, but it wasn't done. And I, I, this goes back to planning. The planning should have begun on January 22nd, the Biden administration having an idea of what it wanted to do, and certainly in April. Um, but there was something you said that, that earlier that, that got me thinking about this. There's whether it's for the withdrawal, where where I think the Department of Defense is going to get a lot better than, than everyone else. But, yeah, we have a, con- a commission looking at 20 years of war in Afghanistan as well. And there'll be some blame to go to DOD as, as well. There were, some, you know, there were some problems, even one set amongst when we were there and our friends and that where, you know, it really wasn't done quite right and and. We knew that somebody had to look at it. i'm sure the committee's is going to
4: look at it which just frustrates me till this day and other the 13 service members were killed hundreds of afghan in that explosion you have the airports a lot of you have been there the north side of the airport is controlled by the military isaf and others south was a civilian side and from the discussion of my friends military afghan military was having with the american military that's before the the, the marines and the eighty seconds have got there and it's speaking to the u.s leader there, the Admiral said, we have to secure the entire airport and they were not ready at that stage to take the civilian part of the airport, all the air traffic controllers, the people who had the civilians, said, they not on the first flight got. So you have the terminal, so kind of, you know, the doors open yet you're securing the wall
0: you have no door. And
4: that's how we got thousands of I'm surprised, I'm shocked, no C-17 blew up in the air.
0: I mean, I can't shun enough for the work that Major General Donahue and his... right his colonels did in terms of that i mean one day they will get the credit that's due to them in the history books you know for now yeah, it's gonna be political i don't mean partisan i also mean between state usa centcom dod everyone pointing fingers but what a frankly horrible situation to be in and they did an amazing job with what they did, they did an amazing job until the last two days and
3: i'm a 482nd guy and I know 82nd members at work were, were, were very upset with General Donahue, very upset with the leadership because we had two days to still get Americans out and people outside the gates and we shut the gates down. And General Donahue ordered the 82nd Airborne Division to start cleaning up the airport for transfer to the Taliban. And those soldiers are going around picking up stuff, picking up bottles, picking up trash so that they could have a clean transfer to the Taliban. There were Americans outside the gate we're being allowed in. These are the last two days. We we're supposed to withdraw, what, on the 30th of August? And this is the 28th. We're not letting people back in. You, know, you may, with, with great Americans are trying to get people in. You probably got some people in, some people holding, you know,
0: handing people over. It wasn't orderly. We were, it was definitely hunger game. But, but we shut down the
3: get Americans out, you get civs out, get LPRs out, two days before the shutdown date. And that photo op, you know, in the 82nd, paratroopers are upset. That Donahue's the last man on that aircraft. They were demoralized. This demoralized that unit. It demoralized the Marines. They could have done more, and we have never, in our history since Somalia, ever uh, shrunk the perimeter. We've always expanded the cordon with this. when there's been a terrorist attack. We shrunk it and allowed the Taliban to move in more. Now, one of the things that I have a problem with, I don't believe that ISIS, Al is a is a mortal enemy of the Taliban and the accounting network, because the accounting network has one of the best intelligence networks in Afghanistan. They had outer ring, inner ring, and right around the airport, secured. Let's help them to the accounting network. Is- so the accounting network is a specialized uh, terrorist network, but designated as a special designated uh, terrorist group. And they're basically, you know, aligned with the ISI, they, they bring explosives over the border from Pakistan into Afghanistan. and they're an al-Qaeda affiliate. And the Taliban is an al-Qaeda affiliate. And ISIS Khorasan, of course, or the Islamic State Khorasan was, was this narrative that the suicide bomber that killed those 13 Americans and 100 Afghans with a suicide vest. I don't know about you, but I've never, I've been imposing back Iraq for a year. I've never seen a suicide bomber kill that many people. Was it a car bomb? You mean the so, 13, right.
4: I believe a lot of people think it was a car bomb. No, I think it was suicide theft. Suicide theft, yes, because I had
3: um, friends who were there, and they beat this all. Saw- but it was already stationary. I think it was a uh, mathematical, some of the Bruce uh, They bank. bank. It, was, uh, it was stationary, and that's what the explosion was. There was a crater. There wouldn't be something that you would find with a suicide monitor. But, again, misinformation, disinformation.
0: But the, well, actually, that's just history. History changes. We get more information. Yeah. One day, someone's going to interview everyone who's there, come up with a good account. But that's why I think it's so important this hearing you're talking about. It, it needs to really be court, an investigation into that. Let's talk about the
2: future real quick. So at any given time, there are about 100 designated terrorist organizations. And the Central Asian region, which doesn't get a whole lot of attention, you know. I, I think you gotta have a... It depends on who's got the monopoly over the drama and who's, who's able to come out on the media space. But in terms of... Assessing the qualitative levels of threats, you know, we'll just talk about just one stat um, that's that's maybe more quantitative. But up about 100 at any given time, designated terrorist groups by the United States, uh, almost about a quarter of those are just in the Afghanistan-Pakistan region.
4: Can I, before we jump in, I just have one thing to recommend to this committee and folks here. Um, you, you also have to look at why did the U.S two years, three years prior to withdrawal uh, started negotiating with these terrorist organizations. That is a very a critical thing. Sin. How were the Taliban sold as changed the changed Taliban, the 2.0? Yeah. On one stage I heard they were coming to come, David, you know, the, 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 the negotiation team in Doha were more pro Taliban than then what the U.S. military and their Afghan partners, they would I die think, politically, I think, the United States. We were looking for a way out,
1: and we were starting to craft that narrative and seed it within the the, 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 the the air streams and so on. And I would—I don't think they had a good option. I mean, how long can you stay in Afghanistan?
0: Well, plus, don't forget that state and DOD, and I don't know with how many political appointees versus civil servants this included, were fighting a bit of a rearguard action against the president at the time, who wanted to withdraw immediately, you know, and everybody out. So, I. Which would that. have been better because it wouldn't
4: have, it would have left a government where it could hold. So, what we saw, this is an interesting, yeah. what we saw is a complete transfer. It was a handover. You know, it was, it was a long negotiation. There was trust being built. I saw it in 2019, perhaps not the right place to discuss it. Now, I mean, U.S. Air Force provided support for Taliban to cattail ISIS in Qudar. Right, right. I mean, there was. The, Doha was kind of an option where they were coordinating air support. Taliban fighters moving in, the US airport, air force dropping bombs. it. Right. So the American people need to know there is maybe a third leg here somewhere in the back where it's, it's kind of a relationship with the Taliban. Now, yes, Americans needed to get out. But not but, that way. But not that way. Look at the dignity of America American
3: And then if you saw the negotiating team that was negotiating with the Taliban, they were experienced. This table would be more experienced and negotiating with the Taliban than the Americans of the Trump administration put in there. So this young guy on TV was a senior negotiator with the Taliban, like 26 years old. No beard, no experience, no, no background. And if you're a Taliban commander, you're sitting across from Americans, it's easy, you've seen this in every country you've been in. You sit across the table from an American and they all want to be Lawrence of Arabia, but they all want to be the, the person that you trust. Americans want to be liked. And in the culture, if you're sitting across the table, you imagine uh, okay, these are very difficult things. We just need more money, more funds that we can make this happen. But those are believed by Americans and the people that are nodding, it's gets cultural roll out of the tops, right? And and they basically develop a playbook. They see twenty different Americans over twenty years, twenty different policies, one Lords of Arabia wanna be, one doesn't wanna be here, one's the one's a good idea fairy. One is, is sincere, and they sit back and they wait for the American they're engaging with. And then you engage with this inexperienced team that just wants to wrap it up and call it a victory. And, and you get the Taliban to say, sure, we'll agree to that. And they, they know that they can lie to an American because they're not a believer. You know, well, yeah, we'll do that. And then you, you, you do it. And then you buy into this narrative. Now, now of course, ISIS was vying for control. They were, becoming, they were taking Taliban uh, top people and giving them better salaries to join. Isis course. So of course Taliban leaders can say hey listen help us fight these guys and uh, They were trying to ignite a sectarian war right by attacking the nazaris and the You know trying to do this shit all can talk about at
2: some you know, maybe at another time, but it was resourcing. Isis K Who's
3: do i mean,
2: you know if it was resourcing the Taliban,
4: but look at it was I the same group Yeah, American involvement um you know, that, that, that region is not going to, to be forgotten. I mean, look at what's happened in the Pakistan. This is very very serious. You have you've had hundred killed in the mosque and a suicide three suicide blasts there.
3: And how, how recent? Because we would hear about three, three, day, this three evening, days, just we would three days ago,
0: they go still We're full out. You
3: got to watch right the for a new sound.
4: So, dressed
2: as of police officers, suicide bombers dressed as police officers walked into a mosque. They do that. They do that over and over again. It's dressed as police officers, suicide bombers.
4: That's right. So they blew that up. If you look at if you moderate Pakistan, it it is very concerning, and it's a nuclear state. Right. And and you have political clashes because Emran Khan was forced out. You also have the economic crisis. The, they still have floods issues. and nobody They're in debt. Nobody wants to give them money. So, you could expect another serious problem of those nukes going out of control. Yeah, some may, you know, Pakistan will say, look, nobody can touch our nukes. We're, this, we're fully secure. Congress was paying for 10,000 people of the break for that I, a few years ago, if I recall. But that is the problem. They believe the Taliban, and I, I do know TTP, the Tariq Taliban of Pakistan, which is the enemy of Pakistan, are, are kind of the same. To, to, they're residing in Afghanistan. They speak the same language. Speak same. It's I always kind of give example of Canadians and Americans, unless you know a little, little bit of the accent. But to me, I I found out now that it's, there's a difference, but not many people could tell. So they're fighting, they're going from Afghanistan into Pakistan and fighting against the Pakistanis. You even know that some of the old Afghan National Army brigade headquarters and core headquarters, the door from logistics kind of the, the logistics store is open. Cards are coming in, Toyota Corolla is coming, in, loading up ammunition, weapons that are left from us and it's going across the border to fight Pakistan. Some Afghans are happy like, hey look, we we suffered for twenty years, let the Pakistanis suffer. But the problem is if if that country's if the nukes go had a serious problem, if the nukes go out of control and it ends up and it would then you have a global problem. And the U.S. have to pay attention
3: to that. I believe, and and it's and it probably is not finished. And and that's the grand bargain, right? The government secures the notes, but they can still support the Haqqani network through the ISI, they can still support the Taliban through the ISI to be used at a later date against India, right? Is it a- part of the that's game true.
2: for so long? Though was was getting the idea slightly out there that well, what if what if we start to lose control? That's why you need to load up our. Joint Counterterrorism Fund and give us this right, and give us right, that right. and give us that. Right, right. But getting these groups where they are today is a result of a deliberate policy of that same state, right? Right. So they're boiling the the waters at the temperature that they want to boil them because they view a certain margin there that's useful. And so, TTP, Taliban, ISIS-K, instruments of this country that sees an existential threat in India knows that India would take their capital in 48 hours right uh conventionally speaking it would immediately turn into an insur- turn into an insurgency pretty quickly right and Afghanistan would be a place where they could have their safe haven for terrorists to launch asymmetric warfare against India so part of what's necessary for at least the way I think Pakistan views it they're obsessed with this apocalyptic existential situation with India which leads to the strategy to be we need to have uh, a, a way to launch the most intense asymmetric warfare possible. Afghanistan presents that opportunity. What does Afghanistan, what traits does Afghanistan need to have? It's got to be divided. Any leaders who have charisma can unite Afghans or nationalists. They're dead, man. Yeah, they're
3: targeted. Exactly.
2: They, they had to kill all these tribal leaders, all the Pashtun tribal leaders that actually were the you know, originals. In terms of the culture, in terms of the code, and so what's left is just the people who are for sale for rent. You you bring a duffel bag of cash to any of these guys, they'll say yes before you even ask them, you know what you what, what you're asking for. Um, but so that situation in Afghanistan denies safe haven for terrorists, right? And I, I think that's there's like a lot of consensus on that. A uh, safe haven for terrorists. And, you know, the, the, you mentioned the al network is designated, right? So they're, they're part of the Taliban. They're, they're the deputy. They're part of the military council. They're part of the Shura. Yeah. Uh, so where where is this all going? <laughs> and, and after this comment, and we'll edit this out, we'll yeah. you know, switch gears, we'll shoot the breeze, I'll make funny deaths for living in D.C. for a little bit, and then we'll wrap it up.
3: See, one of the things about not or having a an individual that's designated with a $10 million bounty on its head be the Minister of Interior and that bright, in Afghanistan, actually made Zaw, Zaw, Zawafri feel more comfortable. If they're not gonna target him, why would they target me? Now, what's interesting about this, the strike on Zawahiri, uh, Zawafri, Zaw, 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 whatever you want to say it, is this wasn't an over the intelligence capability that led to a strike. This was a comfortable terrorist, believing he wasn't gonna be targeted. in the posh area of Kabul, hanging out in his, his, his balcony, Just chilling. Pattern, pattern of light, pattern analysis. This guy's there. It wasn't an intel asset that told us where he was. It could be anybody on that street to say, that's the Al-Qaeda there. So this over the horizon capability is is a nice phrase, but there's nothing behind it. This intelligence uh, capability that we had, we don't no longer have because we left the country. We abandoned our allies. They're not going to do these risky things for us. Most of the special operators that were getting Americans out were, were... being able to pay off Taliban leaders to help get these guys out. Because again, it's not a a solid group. The Taliban is what? 50 different groups of 10 guys, Uh, or a hundred guys. So the point is, is that we talk about these threats and the American population is tired. They're not worried about the border. They're worried about the border, but they're not worried about the number of uh, terrorists that are coming across the border. We just caught an Iranian yesterday who's on the uh, terror watch list, uh, trying to come across. But if you go back to a, a document captured in Iraq, Al-Qaeda was already talking about penetrating the U.S. border because we could learn Spanish and they'll just believe we're Latino. And I'm from El Paso, Texas, and my relatives are in the Customs and Border Patrol. No, like, no, we, could, we are always finding Arabs coming across, coming across the border back post-9-11. And they could tell the difference, just like you said, but in a different accent. They could tell who was and wasn't. And we don't care about threats until they're... There's a fire.
0: And so that, that's ever the very American thing. Americans don't want to be proactive most of the time. It's also a reflection of the way we've set up our government balance of powers designed not to be too strong, a federalist. So say politicians too. I'm not just talking the people. No, I'm nobody wants, you know, no. when there's a crisis, right. we will react. Right. But can we say, yeah, we're not proactive about it. And I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm curious I don't even know where foreign policy or or foreign terrorism ranks in terms of lists of Americans We don't hear about it much anymore. Well, it's not that we don't hear We don't hear because people don't care I mean certainly there's been you know the last 20 years of counterterrorism have done a really great job in some ways Doesn't mean you know that doesn't keep so yeah people up.
2: I mean let me be clear what I mean by we don't hear about it we don't we don't see it rolling in in the media cycles constantly uh, the way it used to,
0: right? And that's for a couple of reasons. I mean, I, I was thinking back to summer of two thousand one, summer of the shark. You know, people were concerned. I can't remember what the top issues were, but uh, no one cared about you know on on broad you know network news is pretty good. No one cared about you know Bin Laden, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, all that. What happened after ninety eight? You know, right. it's um, and it, I think it's a typically American thing. I I think to get back to what we said before, I'm more concerned about. You know, I can think back to being in graduate school and remembering, uh, you know, what's just going on in Oklahoma City right now. I'm I'm more concerned about domestic terrorism. We see that's been around long. You know, it's killed, and and that include. Let me include in that. I'm more concerned about Americans who have an affiliation towards foreign terrorist groups as well. San Bernardino, for example, that concerns me more. Than Al Qaeda's ability to reach. We don't be able to do it again. And God forbid it comes from Afghanistan again. But, you know, but I'm more concerned about the, And that's where the internet comes in
2: because it used to be the case that you, you know, you go to a training camp in Syria, training camp in Pakistan, then you come back and they're capable. Now it's like YouTube. Oh. And they're activating on their own. They, you don't need to travel to a training camp. But, Mike, you're talking about Americans are tired of it. Right. So, speaking of tired of it, You guys are my friends. You live in Washington, D.C. Speaking of tired of it, right? like, I would rather do foot patrols in Kandahar, man, for the last 10 years than to be living in D.C. So you guys
0: seem like your normal people from a violence perspective or from just, just a little sleepy It's it's (laughs) like, yeah, I, I'm not, I guess I'm never, once I say this, I'm never going to get on the count city council, but I'm not a D.C. statehood person. I'd rather see us absorbed by uh, Delaware, frankly, but Maryland would be okay too. Um, yeah i was just just this morning the big big news in dc is uh i can't remember what the, the name of the bill is but we're going to implement a new uh we're slowly ramping up the uh, minimum pay rate for uh, restaurant workers for servers, particularly now i bartended and waited tables to you know, undergrad and grad school at uh 205 an hour or 203 an hour whatever it is but you know this is a city where we now have a vibrant restaurant scene had i'm worried about that i'm worried about a uh, brand new high school is supposed to open. First one in, in years, but the, the building won't be done for another four years. Education in the city is horrible. There are few gems, few gems in the city. But, you know, and, and the mayor, to her credit, the council's credit, has a budget surplus. What are we doing with it? Put it towards the schools. It gets back to our critical thinking issue. But I can put up with it. The uh, The worst part about D.C. for me is is probably the fact that uh, when we get, you know, a quarter inch of snow, the entire city grinds to After coming from Syracuse, too, I'm like, well,
2: i like, on that right? I grew up in Michigan. This is not snow. Right. Texan, Texan living in D.C. Yeah. You
3: know, so born in New York at West Point Military Academy, the two medics. Uh, grew up t- in, in El Paso, Texas. Moved to D.C., and I, I always found myself in awe of where I was. The most powerful city in the world, you know. It means something to me when I see monuments and see the history. But it becomes less and less so as you see how the sausage is made necessarily so we're in the book right now and it's called the art of forever war and it's not the generals that keep <laughs> cities in forever wars it's not politicians that keep us in forever wars they're the decision makers it's the retired gem it's the lobbyist it's the expert of the think tank that come in and make arguments to stay in and then if you just kill back the finances you bashing experts at think tanks absolutely absolutely because I, I said in the pentagon after qasem soleimani was killed and the person to my right had business ties to the Dawa party in Iraq, which is a pro-Iranian Shia political party, and he was angry that Qasem Soleimani was targeted. This same individual was a lieutenant colonel in 2007, who if his 2007 self and his present self uh, met begun War because he was advocating for a position based on financial uh, you know, benefits be tied to this country. And uh, he, did, uh, he was a, a, a managing partner of a uh, a uh, communications firm that's a conflict of interest in my opinion. We shouldn't have people uh, briefing the Pentagon, briefing the State Department, briefing Congress that have business ties to countries that they're advocating that we stay in. Uh, This is one thing that I learned, being in the military and being in D.C. I've never met a politician or an American general that said, things got worse on my watch. They always talk about progress. And if you look at the progress, it is. It's not tangible a lot of it's just words
2: so let's so, say so, so you got to dc general
3: oh that's it
4: start to get in my no no i was here you were training a thought i oh, think you. a general Shalak, Shalak if we could have we could have it so so yeah just be... okay i would yes.
0: yeah definitely have done an interruption now um no, i was gonna say it's it, it so i i teach at a school of citizenship and in public affairs and so i want to you know i want to make sure our students understand that public service is good there are um as as uh, Richard Haas, President of the Council of Foreign Relations, has written, there are habits of good citizens, and I encourage those. And it really upsets me when I see retired government officials, retired military in particular, and gonna be harder on them, uh, or current officials who have business ties that can make them money that present a conflict of interest. And I will include in that, Every member of Congress who owns mm-hmm. stocks and is a guest, you know, that needs uh, to be talked about. Yeah, I'm slightly a curious. I mean, it, it is absolutely infuriating. It is very easy to put things in a blind trust and you're still going to give some general guidance and these people are still going to make a lot of mm-hmm. things. You know, and some of a better training somebody has
1: worked mm-hmm. as, a, as someone who's worked as an executive at publicly traded companies, we get briefs on what to do, what not to do, and the, the implication, the impact of. This could lead to jail if in the event that any of this information... Yeah. Wow, man, those bells are for you. For, for, you know, for insider trading. And I cannot believe we can take we can take infor- people who have access to an abundance of information and they are lining their pockets. And they
0: will do just fine financially, I am sure. Right, right. Um, what, George Santos is currently the richest American in the United States, according to... Yeah but well, you, you can follow uh, them
3: now to see which stocks are invested. which is well piggyback on that uh, so that might be a weird. real quick
2: Holocaust Remembrance yes uh, I think we should talk about that multi-faith a little bit but but how we want to? you see yeah we have to yeah we will uh, talk, but I'm gonna I'm gonna step out so I'm gonna step out because I gotta change and then I gotta leave and I want you guys to continue for a few minutes okay but I want but George Santos posing as a Jew and, 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 and capitalizing on that and I want Kaser to prompt you Mark on that but gentlemen DC there's a lot of bad Afghanistan
4: veterans know, um, uh, having worked alongside Americans and many other na- nations uh, since 2003. I've always found that, you know, you, this is the best place where you can meet your friend and to uh, former colleagues. And every time I come here, I believe this is where the world's decisions are ready. You kind of feel that way. But I don't get it. I don't understand it. Sometimes, I, you know, a lot of our friends are um, in the government and pretty senior positions. Uh, but sometimes I, it's, I would say, aggravating to see uh, why not do the right thing. Maybe I have a you know, a hole in my heart because of what happened in Afghanistan. But, um, so I'm biased. But but overall, uh, there's a lot here that I thought.
2: Are there something, I mean, we, we have to say to you, but thank you for everything you did. You know, you. Americans... One-year deployment or more, you know. After plus 9-11, there are Americans that did six years of the next ten years overseas. And people that I worked for were amazing people. Uh, you you basically had a lifetime deployment. You're fighting a common enemy for how many years? In a row, of- well, seventeen I was in a row, but a few of those years were here
4: in another countries. So seventeen years. As much as we can criticize in war, <laughs> as much
2: as we can criticize. were you alive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's good that we can laugh yeah. about it, but I, I, I'm, i you know, thank God. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I want
4: to say it, you know, it's great that people can criticize and, and, and debate over what's right, what's wrong, administration did right or wrong. But it's still, you know, I still believe in those Americans, we'll not the administration, maybe, but a lot of veterans and, and folks uh, that are doing the right thing. You know, like Mark spending. You know, like a deployment 24-7 uh, answering the phone and trying to do things try to get out so, yeah, so this is why you know you, could, you, you, you were saying that this, this is not North Korea you know, uh, whatever the government tells you to do that this is why you, kind of, you come back to believe in you know what the administration come and go they're, they're the house they're the, uh, the, the rent renters, but the people were here
0: on genuine oh, so that's what gives me the key like, believe I'm more of, of a better civics Lesson than mm-hmm. than the way you just said that. Yeah, thank you,
1: thank you both for it. Well, that uh, this was fun. Let's wrap. Uh, thank you for coming today. This was this was a really, tough report. Oh, Thanks for having me back.
2: Good to see you, man. Gentlemen, Mark, I brought that song, man.
3: Good, yes. yes. like more to talk about, Mark. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, you guys, significant. what we all disagree on like, so much? But that's we got we got to create these kinds of spaces a little more. <laughs>